You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It's January 10th, and it feels like it's December of 2017, but it is January 10th, 2017, late Tuesday night. You'll probably get this on Wednesday. Um, Lots going on in Obamacare. I'm telling you, I I feel like I'm already drained. I'm I'm tired of fighting, but I wanted to give you all an update as to where things stand on the Obamacare fight. I know you're hearing a lot of things swirling around both from a policy perspective, from a political perspective. And through that, I want to give an outline of what free market health care is, what it isn't, why Republicans have no clue, don't understand it, um, and why they're making all these mistakes rhetorically, policy-wise, and taking something that should be very simple to do and turning it into a losing issue, as they always do. Um, first off want you guys to support our sponsors. If you want to go to a gathering, the world's largest gathering of free minds, a trade show for liberty, you got to go to Freedom Fest. This is an event July 19th to July 22nd at the Paris Resort in Las Vegas. Um, Actually, you'll find people here who understand free market healthcare. You could trade ideas like we're going to do today. Um, get your early bird special now through January 15th. Use promo code CRTV. Get $100 off. Go to freedomfest.com forward slash CRTV. Again, the trade show for liberty. And boy, do I wish we had a trade show for liberty in Washington, D.C. Um, I cannot tell you how embarrassing it is that members do not understand what Obamacare is, what it isn't, what health care is, what health insurance is. And, you know, as we spoke about in in our last uh podcast and you know if you haven't heard that you should probably download it before you hear this although it is standalone i try to make every episode standalone but i kind of gave a background as to why we always get betrayed and it's because republicans either don't believe in conservatism and free markets they don't understand it or if they you know if they if they harbor the positives of the previous two in other words they believe and understand their political barometer as to what is a winning and worthwhile political issue to expend capital on is completely broken. You know, it's like a weather vane showing it's 100 degrees when it's zero degrees. They just completely the opposite. And I touched on healthcare a little bit as, as a part of that broader thesis, but today I want to focus exclusively on Obamacare, and that is playing out. That ignorance is playing out. Republican leadership doesn't want to fully repeal Obamacare. And even the part that they want to repeal, they want to replace with Obamacare 2.0. Essentially the same thing. It's not going to result in a reduction of premiums, not going to result in more choices and competition and solvency in the market, and certainly not reducing costs to the budget, although that's secondary, very important. But, you know, the important thing is to save the private market first. None of that's going to happen. And meanwhile, even conservatives are all kind of off message they're not singing on the same tune as as we have been for for months um they are not some of them are just 
throwing curveballs and ironically making it even harder for leadership that already doesn't share our values. And it's just, it's one big dumpster fire. I mean, it, it is really, unless there's an intervention from God and with prayer, um, this is this thing is not being repealed. And I was the first to warn about it. Now it's kind of broken out in the open. I want to give you a sense of why that's taking place. And there's really two impediments. There's two misnomers where I think a lot of this comes from. It's obviously always more, but I want to break it down for simplicity to two things. Number one, the procedural lie that Obamacare, all of Obamacare, including the core component of the insurance regulations, the part that makes Obamacare insolvent that I've been talking about and writing about incessantly, the notion that that cannot be repealed through budget reconciliation with 51 votes. That is absolutely not true. I have a full piece on that, uh, talking about how the Republicans are claiming the parliamentarian ate their homework, that the parliamentarian could overrule them, and somehow they're subject to that. So members are being told, we can only repeal the subsidies, the taxes, the individual mandate, not the heart and soul of it, the insurance regs that have driven up premiums, because the parliamentarian, that is it. That is fixed. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, as we said last time, there's can'ts and there's won'ts. And when you don't fully understand or believe in something or believe that it is a politically winning issue, rather than coming up with every excuse to fight, you'll come up with every excuse not to fight. So in this case, they're saying, well, the parliamentarian won't let us do it. Elizabeth McDonough, that's her name. And and I'm not going to bore you with the details. It gets very in the weeds, but I have a full piece I'm going to link to in the show notes if you haven't seen it yet, laying out philosophically, legally, why, why the parliamentarian does not have the final say, why Congress, the Senate majority, Repo- Senate Republican majority can overrule it with 51 votes, um, and also why they are right to interpret the precedent that the the mandates, the insurance coverage mandates are absolutely budgetary in nature and it can absolutely be included in the budget reconciliation process to repeal Obamacare with 51 votes. But nonetheless, Republicans, I've spoken to a lot of members and they have been brainwashed 100% that that is the only option on the table. So therefore, there's a problem. There's a problem. If you repeal, if you don't repeal the mandates... To use an analogy, a crude analogy, that is taking someone, a patient, and stabbing them with a knife. And then the subsidies are the morphine to try to make it solvent. But as we'll explain later, it makes it even more insolvent. But nonetheless, um, if you keep the coverage mandates, meaning telling insurance companies you cannot issue actuarially solvent plans, you have to issue non-solvent plans, insolvent plans, as such, you need subsidies. Well, if Republicans are going to repeal the subsidies, but they're not going to repeal the mandates, so then there's nothing to talk about. Insurance will even go up. It's certainly not going to go down. So they're starting to recognize that. So that's why they're saying, well, we need to replace. So the first lie is that they can't get rid of the coverage mandates. The second lie is something I haven't addressed, but I want to address in greater detail. And through that prism, we're going to really learn together what is Obamacare, what is free market health care, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, and what is the proper messaging that Republicans are preemptively sabotaging on this issue. 
This issue is not very hard, folks. In fact, this is a gift from God, politically. Policy-wise, obviously, it's terrible. I mean, people are going through a lot of pain. I'm paying the equivalent of another mortgage to get nothing, no care. $13,000 deductible this year. I just actually paid my first payment, 1200 bucks for a $13,000 deductible. I'm not kidding you. But that's the point. That's the point. How does the cycle of government work? Typically, liberals come in, blow up a sector with regulations that make it insolvent. Prices of the goods and services go up. But, oh, you know, it, it's not apparent and it's kind of over time and people, it's subtle. People don't remember why. And then they come in like the arsonist being the firefighter and say, bam, you need our subsidies. You need our help because this is so pitiful and unaffordable and we need to help you. We were blessed this time with no subtlety. The, the rising premiums, the insolvency, the um, elimination of choice and competition happens so quickly that just at the third year of implementation, premiums have, have tripled. And certainly the overall cost, when you add out-of-pocket deductibles and premiums, people's health insurance bills have tripled, certainly for those in the private market, even those in the employer market, hasn't tripled, but it's gone up a lot. And they've a lot of people have lost their doctors. We lost our pediatrician. People see it. They pin the tail on the donkey. You can't miss it. There is a raging fire. Premiums are going up. Everyone knows it. They want it gone. This is almost solely responsible for Republicans winning for the last six years up and down the ballot. Historical. They have the, the Republicans are politically in the best position they've been when you combine federal and state controls since the Civil War. And there's no good reason for it. They, 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 they're still a stupid party. They do stupid things. They're off message. Obama personally is still is leaving office almost unprecedentedly popular for you know serving two full terms. Usually you're very unpopular by the end of your second term with the exception of Reagan. Um, the only explanation is Obamacare. And yet Republicans are preemptively going up there. Oh my gosh. We don't, we don't want to throw people off their health insurance. Man, we, we have to be very careful. Newt Gingrich says, we don't want to throw 23 million people off. We're throwing people off. We, 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 throwing, throwing. Uh, instead of ascribing the blame to where the people know it is, they're ignoring the fire in front of them and saying, man, we cannot repeal until we have replace. We cannot get rid of the fire, extinguish the fire until we have all the details of the restoration plan. What? I want to tell you, repeal and replace is an offensive line. And I don't mean an offensive line in football. I mean, it is offensive speech. Because it inherently accepts the premise of the other side. That Obamacare, at its core, is doing something worthy. It's doing something that's achievable, albeit it did it in kind of a bad way. But at the same time, it did some good. And we on net, we want to repeal it because it's bad. But... It needs to be replaced because it was doing some good. And as anyone could see, it has done nothing good. We need to replace Obamacare the same way that we need to replace the warmth, the ancillary warmth that people might have gotten from a mass fire, wildfire, and arson, um, you know, because, uh, it, it, you know, obviously when you have a, when you have a massive fire, so you don't say, man, well, maybe there's some ancillary benefits. It burned off some firewood and, uh, 
no, you get rid of the fire. Right, the same way we need to replace the ancillary warmth some people derive from an arson before you extinguish it, that's how we need to think about replacing Obamacare before we repeal it. In other words, you don't. Now, let me be very clear. We need to replace, reform, and restore. There's a lot of things we need to do on healthcare, even before Obamacare that we should have done. But from a very different perspective, the very opposite perspective of Obamacare, not a replacement, the complete opposite. It's the same It's the same philosophy on immigration. You know, a lot of Republicans said, well, I don't really want to do amnesty like the left, but I want to, we have to have an alternative. And no, we don't. Now, does that mean we, we shouldn't have legislation on immigration? Are you kidding me? I, I have a list I published last week of 20 immigration ideas. We absolutely should engage on it, but from a very, very different perspective. What is that perspective? This is the core of what the left gets wrong. They don't understand the original sin of healthcare even before Obamacare. They don't understand that Obamacare took all of those terrible factors and exacerbated them, and therefore they don't understand what we need to do. And that's why they are so tepid about getting rid of Obamacare, because they don't understand the system in place. You know, Republican Devin Nunes, a rhino from California, he told reporters, quote, the goal is to have more people covered and better coverage. Boom. That first thing there, at least the first part of that statement, more people covered. Here in one sentence, here is the problem. Liberals in their elusive utopian goal of creating universal coverage, they create a living hell. By pursuing universal coverage at the expense of reducing costs, you achieve neither. That is not speculation. That is what we see with our eyes with Obamacare. That is what happened. And the American people know it. The American people see exactly what happened. You know, maybe beforehand it might have sounded nice. Well, let's do this to cover pre-existing conditions. And even then, it was unpopular from day one. But people see it. You get nothing. I'm going to repeat what I said before. At its core, if I had to explain what Obamacare is in one paragraph, and this is something that people don't, the the congressmen don't understand, a lot of people don't understand. You guys are an intelligent audience, and you guys I know do understand this. But let me just reiterate it. Again, it's in the elusive utopian goal of covering everyone, getting rid of pre-existing condition, anything. What they do is they create mandates and subsidies. So they mandate that insurance has to be actuarially insolvent, that you are prohibited from offering costly um, 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 cost uh, uh, plans that have a cost-benefit analysis that are actuarially sound. Therefore, it locks up the insurance market. It makes the plans unsustainably expensive. It makes everyone like those with pre-existing conditions. So everyone has to pay unsustainable prices. And therefore, it engenders a need for subsidization. So we come in with a massive new entitlement built on top of the trillion dollars already in federal spending, not including state spending on healthcare, Medicare, Medicaid, S-CHIP, all the state programs, the VA, everything. We have a new entitlement. And that in turn artificially inflates the prices even more because whenever you overly subsidize something with third-party payer, um, 
you know, you don't peg the price to cost, you know, you have overutilization and it goes up even more. And it engenders an even greater need for subsidies. Mandate subsidy, mandate subsidy, mandate subsidy. This is the death spiral um, to a certain extent of healthcare before Obamacare. Obamacare took that factor and stepped on the gas pedal. And within just three years, it's completely insolvent. You could only imagine in two, three, four more years from now, um, you know, it'll fit a health insurance plan, you know, bare bones will cost $50,000. I'm not kidding. Um, if there's even a single insurer left by then. And at its core, the Democrats knew they were doing this, um, and the whole plan was to engender, uh, you know, single payer. The American people didn't want it, so they kind of sold them a bill of goods, so it would lead, it would purposely destroy it. Republicans don't understand this. They don't understand this. Rather than seeking to reduce costs, freeing up the market on the supply side and the, um, the insurance side, they take on the premise of the left that we need to, quote unquote, force insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions, which therefore skyrockets premiums, which therefore engenders a need for subsidies, and therefore we have to do subsidies. So mandate subsidy, they want to do the same thing. They want to leave the mandates in place. Maybe eventually they'll replace some of them, not as many, but they'll keep a critical mass of them. And instead of direct subsidies, they'll have refundable tax credits, which is the same thing, and has the same effect, has the same inflationary effect, has the same cost to the budget. And you get nothing. You get nothing out of that because who are you covering then? If you destroy the entire healthcare system, not just insurance, but healthcare itself, you have doctors now getting frozen out of the system, um, you destroy the R&D, you destroy everything, it doesn't help anyone. It's not even a trade-off. Most things in life are a net benefit. I guess there's some, yeah, there are a handful of more people you're covering under this, but unsustainably, and within a few years, we won't have enough money to even cover that. So it doesn't matter. Also remember, by the way, that under the existing healthcare system, there already was a certain degree of guaranteed issue on pre-existing conditions on a macro level. So if you had a previous job, and you already had insurance or you had in your you know you bought it privately and you got sick more or less you could you could continue coverage you have the cobra program as well um but the only thing you didn't have was if you never had insurance you know not through you know through your parents if you're born with a pre-existing condition but you get it through your parents i mean you you just never bought it i'm not saying it's always irresponsible but often that would be pretty irresponsible and then you you know and then you have pre, then then you get sick well gee i mean if you tell you know you call up allstate after you you get into a car crash oh i want to purchase insurance for the first time oh and by the way uh um i just had a massive accident i have some injuries too well, you know i, I need $30,000 uh, worth of payments gee i mean within a year it will go bankrupt it's actually insolvent and by the way if you google i'm so not google i'm um, do a word search on the Obamacare statute, and Google the word actuarial, it comes up 63 times. I'm not kidding. The, the law literally prohibits actuarially sound plans. That's the whole point, that it's no longer calculated risk. You just say you have to cover everything. Um, so the notion is, A, it's unsustainable. There's, there's the P, and the people see it. On the other side of the ledger, 
how many people, so, so there's millions of people like me, and I'm sure many of you in the audience here, that cannot afford insurance anymore. It, it's just insane. You were, you know, I, I had a plan that was reasonable. It was a $5,000 deductible, so it was a little high, but I only paid about 4000 a year on premiums, and it covered up front all the basic care, sick visits, generic drugs. Um, just, you know, hospitalization would have been, you know, 5000 deductible, but that was worth it for me to take that risk because it's not really a risk because after just one year of, or even a half a year of lower premiums, I make back that money. So it was, you know, these are the type of choices you're able to make. And that was even with, you know, the system being half socialist even before Obamacare. So anyway, this is where we stand now. Republicans don't understand that for every, you know, 10 million people you have under that predicament, how many people fit into the following category? They have pre-existing conditions. They couldn't get coverage before. They weren't eligible for Medicare, Medicaid, S-CHIP, um, or if they're veterans from the VA. They're not eligible for state programs. And, and Obamacare is saving them, and now that you get rid of Obamacare and get rid of the mandates that they have to cover pre-existing conditions, suddenly um, they're going to be on the streets and die. How many people are we talking about? It ain't 23 million. And a lot of people are dying now because of it. You look at the fire in front of you. You don't look at the speculative ancillary problems. You know, and, and that's the thing with utopianism. You, you will always have problems, but it's not the fault of the free market. It's not the fault of us. It's not the fault of Democrats. It's not the fault of Republicans. But, but what is the fault of the Democrats is they use that as an excuse to then come in and intervene and make it unsustainable for everyone. That is the fundamental problem with healthcare. That's the fundamental problem with Obamacare. And that's why this whole replace thing is nonsense. The messaging behind, oh my gosh, we're going to get blamed is maniacal and it's just wrong. Unless you, yeah, I mean, if all Republicans get up there, if we don't replace, we're going to be at fault. We're going to be at fault. Well, yeah, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know how we're supposed to message through that when you're preemptively uh, surrendering that to the other side. Frankly, I don't know what you do. It's insane. But that is the original sin with healthcare. Mandate, regulate, subsidize. Mandate, regulate, drive up the costs, sub subsidize, which drives up the costs even more. Which you know, which creates even more mandates, more subsidies, death spiral, unaffordable market, unaffordable government expenditures, taxpayer debt, everything. This is what you get. By the way, this is why we spend well over a trillion in combined federal state spending on on healthcare, and we are where we are. What we need to do is the opposite. We need to replace, re repeal, reform and restore, not repeal and replace. When I say our version of so-called replace, which is reform and restore, is not to replace Obamacare's mandates and subsidies with our own pale pastel version of mandates and subsidies. It's to go in the complete opposite direction that not only are we going to roll back Obamacare, which we can and should do, we can and should do politically, procedurally, morally, electorally, we have that mandate. And it should be a standalone. It doesn't need anything else. You're not going to perfectly get things back to where they were, but 
you can't tell me that if you say to insurance companies, community rating guaranteed issue is gone, that the prices won't be tumbling. And of course, you keep the subsidies for two years as a transition. No one's disagreeing with that. And, and yeah, subsidies do still, you know, inflate the cost, not just the cost of government, but the cost of the actual private expenditure. It, but it's not, I mean, the mandates are the 800-pound gorilla. In the room. If you get rid of that, that's at least, you know, we're at least on, uh, um, you know, on our way to, to solvency. And then we have so many ideas, and I promise at some point I'm going to come out with it, 15, 20 market ideas on the supply side, on insurance side, that will roll back the anti-market forces that even pre-existed Obamacare and make it even cheaper than it was then. And that's how you deal with pre-existing conditions. You never fully solve it, but you isolate and minimize the problem. You, you minimize it by not exploding insurance for everyone, not over-utilizing the product. For all the healthy people, you have market-based health care, and, and you're not wasting so much funding on it, and you have so much more money going into the system then. Um, and I'll explain how you do that. And therefore, once you have that money going into the system, then you have one program to replace Medicaid, not on top of Medicaid and SCHIP and state programs, one program to work with Insurers to plug those holes as best as you can and saying, hey, we'll give you a voucher to purchase in private insurance. You have some sort of cap. And look, you know, it's going to have its own problems like every program does. And you're going to have K Street in the insurance industry with that. Um, but we have it already. So you may as well have one program and not 50 million programs. Um, and again, it will be from a position of strength. Because the entire cost of health care and health insurance will come down. So you're subsidizing at a lower price rather than subsidizing at a higher price. You know, ideally, it should all be covered with public charity, the civil society. But again, we want to get as much free market as we can. And, and that's what it is. It's, it's a matter of getting rid of the original sin in health care. The bias between employer-based tax exemption and individuals not having that same tax exemption. Either get rid of it for both or have it for both, the, the tax deduction. Um, that is what has employers spending $15,000, $20,000 over-utilizing a product for 90% of the population, um, wasting wages – and salaries that could be people could be making so much more money instead of inflating a you know a nonsensical service and I don't mean insurance is, health insurance is nonsense but I mean at that cost and that overutilization and thereby creates a self fulfilling prophecy of individuals now can't afford it because they're put at a disadvantage and it just across the board artificially inflates the price. Imagine if you got rid of all the mandates on insurance. You could cover whatever you want, but we're not going to subsidize you, and then everyone's in the same market. And you know what? Then you go on to the government programs. Keep in mind that more than 50% of healthcare was subsidized. Now, what one of the things you need to do is you need to eventually get back to um, – we need to, as much as we can, make insurance like car insurance. It has to be catastrophic. It has to be, you know, maybe not, you know, 50,000, but 5,000. But this business of, there's no utopia for American R&D, American healthcare. You're not going to get American healthcare for free, right? That, that's just, that's never going to happen. Instead, you're going to create a living hell. 
everyone's going to have to pay on average about a few thousand dollars a year. You know, whether you want to divide it with premiums, deductibles, out of pocket, you know, and that's why you have H- expanded HSAs. And that's going to be another idea to make it personal responsibility, portability across state lines, not connected to your work, not subsidized, no regs, no mandates. You 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 tear down the Berlin Wall of mandates on insurance. Um, there's another issue, and I'm just kind of rattling off. We're running out of time. There's so many ideas. You have the idea of the McCrarran-Ferguson law um, that exempts insurance from antitrust laws. So think about this. We regulate insurance into oblivion, but the one legitimate foundational regulation to ensure you have a free market antitrust laws, we exempt them. So you basically have collusion between government and a handful of insurers, and there's no ba- there's a barrier to entry for smart people who want to go and improvise and, and offer their own plans. This is another way you get rid of that. And they would, you know, that exemption. So they're subject to the same antitrust laws every other industry is. You know, two dentists or two doctors' practices can't collude, um, you know, on pricing. So insurance companies shouldn't either. We're not going to subsidize you. We're not going to mandate you. We're not going to regulate you. And we're not going to give you that special antitrust exemption. That will foster choice, competition, together with the equal treatment of taxation, expanded HSAs, portability across state lines. And then there's a lot of good things you could do on the health care side. But again, before I get to the health care side, just on insurance, government run, like I said before, more than 50% of insurance of, of, um, of health insurance was already socialist, even before Obamacare. Between Medicare, Medicaid, SCHIP, the state programs, and the VA, it, it, and then when you throw an employer-based so not only do you have third party paying for healthcare, which which was which is always a problem. Yeah, I mean you need health insurance, but it shouldn't be the same structure it's become. Um, you know, most things you should pay out of pocket, and that will be a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, imagine if orange juice you had Tropicare, Tropicade, you know, third party payer, you wouldn't pay for yourself, and then more than fifty percent of the third party was paid by your employer or by the government, depending on who you are. So you have fourth party payer. Imagine if an individual wants to say, look, you know what? I don't want a freebie, but I want a reasonable pri- price. I want to go to the supermarket and buy my own bottle of orange juice. Instead of being three, three fifty dollars a, a bottle, it would be, oh, that will be $150 there for a bottle of orange juice. And that's what we have here now. The market forces need to be restored. Now, I'm not dumb enough to believe politically that that is feasible, that we're going to roll back all these existing programs. Obamacare absolutely is feasible politically. But they eventually do need to be reformed. I think Medicare is too much for now. It's too much to deal with when you're trying to get rid of Obamacare. And that's it. You can't do too much in one presidency. But Medicaid, at least, should be like food stamps in the respect that you give people a voucher to purchase private care. Now, any subsidization, like I said, is going to have some sort of inflationary effect, but not nearly as bad as when the government itself gets involved. And like I always say, the devil's in the details. We see the effects of what happened. Medicaid, Medicaid is a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more you subsidize something, the more it becomes expensive and the more it engenders a further need for subsidization. I, I don't have the exact numbers. I have it in one of my articles, but the cost per Medicaid patient since Obamacare was passed, it went from something like, 3,300 a patient to about 6,000, almost doubled. And it's the same garbage care that they've always been getting. 
So it certainly hasn't improved. That's the death spiral. There's never going to be any innovation in market forces to peg the cost to the service if we continue down this path. This is what we mean by replace. It's not replacing what Obamacare is doing. It's restoring what Obamacare exacerbated, which was a destruction in the market that already existed for many years due to previous government interventions. And then, like I said, I don't have time now, but there's a lot of other health care ideas on the supply side. You know, tearing down regs on telemedicine, on healthcare extenders like PAs and nurse practitioners, optometrists. Um, and this is something states have to do too. States have, have bad regulations too. Um, we can only do so much from the federal end. Med- MedMal, they call it in Washington, MedMal, medical malpractice, tort reform. You know, that's an 800-pound gorilla in the room. The frivolous lawsuits, that has got to end. There's got to be a loser-payer system. Um, you know, you have the right to sue, but what you don't have the right to do is have the court system be tyrannical to my private property rights and just destroy me. There's got to be some accountability, some balance, and a loser-payer system would, would go a long way in restoring that. I mean, imagine if um, each physician would only have to pay half of what they pay in medical malpractice. I mean, there's the cost being passed down to the consumer right there. So MedMal, you got um, two other ideas I'm going to give you before we go from Representative Paul Brown, conservative hero. He left Congress a couple uh, couple years ago, he was from Georgia. He had, in my mind, the most free market healthcare plan, the Patient Option Act. I promoted a lot. Two great ideas that that speak to the cost of healthcare. Um, one is hosp- hospitals. Why are hospitals so expensive? So again, there's a lot of reasons. It's the oversubsidization, the mandates, insurance ties in everything we're saying. But even without insurance, there's one um, there's one specific 800 pound gorilla in the room with emergency rooms illegal immigration and also even Americans that you know are in indigent care that come to uh, emergency rooms as and use them as their primary care there is a law Imtala passed in the 80s that and and um, it was it, I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry no <laughs> not passed there is no it's a Supreme Court decision that has always that mandated that um, every every hospital, every emergency room cannot turn away a customer. That needs to be reformed. Paul Brown had a provision. Now, to be very clear, nobody is suggesting that anyone who comes in with serious injuries, um, imminent problems, um, urgent care, an urgent need for care should be turned away. But that hospitals should have some form of discretion to say that this is absolutely not an urgent care, you are using us um, as a doctor's office, goodbye. That has got to happen if we're going to reduce costs. That would that would tremendously um, reduce hospital costs. Um, that is one plan. The other idea is to allow doctors a tax deduction for engaging for um for administering indigent indigent care, you know, either privately at clinics. That would, that would go a tremendous way of, of working with the civil society to solve a problem, reduce costs. Again, just in 15 minutes there, I gave you probably about a dozen ideas just off the top of my head. 
There are plenty ideas. I don't want to hear this bullcrap that conservatives don't have a plan. We have a greater plan than the left does. We've always had a greater plan. We have a just plan. We have a plan that works. But these ideas take time. I wish we could implement everything I said you know, at the drop of a hat. But, you know, we're not like the left where we shove everything into one bill. The devil's always in the details. You got to work out the details. Each thing, there's a lot of points of contention and you got to work that out. We cannot wait for that to happen. And by the way, none of that is most of that, not none of it, most of it is not what they plan on doing with replace. Like I said, it's mandates and subsidies they plan on doing. But even a good so-called replacement plan, which, as I said, is not really replacement. It is reform and restore. It takes time, and you cannot and must not wait for rep- for that plan to repeal. Repeal has to be done now. It's tenable. It's winnable. Guys, pass this podcast on to all your friends. I- I- I'm going to send it to members of Congress. They got to hear this. Um, they need to be educated on the policy of healthcare, the politics of healthcare. Until then. Make sure you turn in, tune into CRTV. Get your subscription for 2017 if you haven't. 99 bucks a year. The best conservative TV around. Nothing like it. We got you covered for everything going on with the confirmation hearings of cabinet members. With, you know, as Trump comes in, all the other issues. I'm telling you, we got a lot of problems. Reneging on the promise to move the embassy to Jerusalem. We got some promises, problems on the promise to get rid of Obama's amnesty um, and many other things, and even the refugee program, and of course, repealing Obamacare. We cannot assume and hope there will be change. We have to ensure and demand it. Now's the time to stand up and be heard. Thanks for listening, folks. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.